the last couple of weeks we've been talking about staying on course, following Jesus in the midst of all of the other things that are going on in this world and, and asking ourselves that question, who are you following? And tonight, I know that phrase probably brings to mind maybe any number of individuals who have been canceled, so to speak, who have been on the receiving end of the righteous mob. Nothing, nothing like social media to make a mountain out of a molehill, right? Something so seemingly insignificant can be almost blown up into the worst thing ever in a matter of moments. And we've seen it happen over and over again. I thought it was interesting this last week, so I'm going to put somebody on the board that, that maybe you know. Anybody know who that is? Mr. Beast! Art knows it's Mr. Beast. His name is actually Jimmy Donaldson, and yes, he is a YouTube star. Does anybody know what his claim to fame is? Like how he got sort of put on the YouTube map, so to speak? Do you know that he counted to 100,000? And he taped himself, recorded himself doing it? Do you know how long it took him? Would you believe that it takes about 40 hours to count to 100,000 without many breaks? Yeah, it doesn't seem like it, but 1.2 days is what they say if you could count straight through without any taking any breaks to 100,000. That's what put him on the map. I can't imagine watching that. Apparently, he condensed it to a 24-hour video so you didn't have to spend more than a whole day watching him count, right? But here's the interesting thing. Just this last week, about a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago, do you know what he did? He paid for a thousand people to have cataract surgery. A thousand surgeries he paid for because he wanted to make sure that people could keep their eyesight for as long as possible. Seems like a great thing, right? A selfless thing, a good way for him to use some of the fortune that he's amassed from his YouTube channel. But do you know what happened? People got upset with him. What? In the crazy world in which we live, people began questioning his motive for helping people with their eyesight. Oh, he's just doing it to get more people to follow him. He's just doing it to gain more notoriety. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's amazing how even a good act can be looked at as something bad. And it gained a little groundswell, like people were talking about, yeah, maybe he doesn't, doesn't do this for the right reason. It's why I love the, the two verses that we're going to look at tonight from Colossians chapter 2. Because when we think about that word cancel, it's a, it's a word that comes up in these two verses. And, and, and God sort of turns it around for us. Instead of worrying about being canceled, God reminds us that he's canceled the sins that separated us from him. Listen to these verses from Colossians chapter 2 tonight. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. When I think about these verses, it makes me think about Paul's letter to the Colossians. It's a, it's a, a short letter in the New Testament, about four chapters long. And as Paul writes this letter to the Colossians, as far as we can tell from Scripture, he may never have even visited the people who lived in Colossae. And yet he writes a letter that, that's full of encouragement for the people as they were questioning or being led to question who Jesus really was. Was he really the Son of God? Was he really the Savior of all mankind? 
And Paul uses the first couple chapters especially to demonstrate clearly Jesus' power as the Son of God. That all of the deity, all of the power of God lived in Jesus in bodily form. And, and then what Jesus did about it. He used that power to bring us the one thing that we needed, the forgiveness of our sins. If you listen closely to Paul's words, we could probably make this statement and make it be very accurate. If there were ever people who should have been canceled, it's any one of us, as far as God is concerned. God had every right to look at you and me and see the imperfection, see the inability to live up to the holy standard that he demands and simply say to us, that's it, you're done. Maybe you heard how the Apostle Paul talked about it. He used the word dead. We were dead. Unable to lift a finger to help us or help ourselves. Unable to do anything that could make us right before God. In effect, we were on the outside looking in. Outsiders, away from God by our own doing. Cast-offs. God really had no business saying, I want you. I love you. And maybe that's part of the issue today when we think about this whole concept of cancel culture. I think there's one thing that's missing. When people want to cancel others, when people want to be part of this righteous mob that rises up and says, that person has done wrong. When people are tried in the court of public opinion and when they're found wanting, there's one thing that's missing, an understanding of sin. See, there's somehow this idea out there that people should be able to live up to a righteous standard, whatever that standard is placed on them by the vast majority of people. And there's this misunderstanding that somehow we have enough to bring to be the perfect and righteous people that we're supposed to be. There's a thought, maybe particularly if you're in the public eye, that, that you can't ever make a mistake. That you can't say anything that people are going to get upset about. You can't do anything that people might get upset about because it demonstrates that you don't deserve to be in the position that you are. I think it comes down to this. It's a desire that people have to make themselves feel righteous by being able to point out the sins and the shortcomings of others. You see, if you don't understand your own sin, if you don't understand your own need, then your goal is to make yourself right, to do the best that you can do so that people love you, appreciate you, think highly of you. That's why I love how Paul continues after describing us as dead in our sin because Paul lets us off the hook, so to speak. You don't have to make yourself righteous. You don't have to worry about making sure that everybody else believes that you are the righteous person that they want you to be because you have Jesus. We have Jesus who already lived that righteousness in our place. After telling us that we were dead, Paul says, in our sins, he says, as he flips it around completely, you've been made alive with Christ. Isn't that an amazing thing to be told? Dead in sins, but made alive with Christ. He wrote the same thing to the Ephesians in chapter 2, that we were made alive 
by the grace of God. In his conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus called it rebirth. That we are literally born again, not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. Renewed by the Holy Spirit, brought to faith in Jesus and a trust in everything that he's done. And so we might ask ourselves, but how? How, when we're dead in our sins, can God now all of a sudden see us as perfect and holy and righteous? And Paul explained that too, didn't he? He said he canceled our debt. He canceled the legal indebtedness that stood against us. Here's what we owed God, a debt we could never have paid. We owed God a holy and perfect life. That's God's demand. Be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. And none of us can live up to that demand. But instead of canceling us, instead of saying, since you can't do it, you can't pay this legal debt that stands against you and so you're cast off forever, God did something completely unexpected, completely amazing. He nailed your debt. He nailed my debt to the cross of Jesus. Jesus paid for our sins on that cross. Jesus, in effect, was canceled by God and maybe the righteous mob that wanted him dead too in and around Jerusalem. You remember some of the mocking, some of the jeers, the crown of thorns, the spitting, the hitting, all the things that Jesus suffered as if somehow he were the worst person who had ever lived. And I suppose we could actually say because he had your sins and mine and the sins of the whole world placed on him, he was. As he went to the cross, it wasn't his sins that he suffered, but ours. That's what God did to erase your debt. That's what God did to uncancel you and me. We're not canceled because Jesus was. Because Jesus was willing to take that suffering on himself. Doesn't that change our response when we think about looking around our world and, and, and thinking about who we should cancel, who's good, who's bad? That's not something we even have to worry about. Because we already know how we're right before God, how we're called perfect and holy. It's through the perfection that Jesus lived and the sacrifice that he made for us. And so we can live at peace with everyone else, knowing we don't have to make ourselves look right in the eyes of the world because God already calls us holy and righteous. The Apostle Paul wrote, that, wrote this in Romans chapter 12, verses 17 and 18. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone if it is possible. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In a world that that, kind, that, that relishes canceling others, we have a chance to reflect the love of Jesus in the peace that we promote, the joy with which we live, the encouragement that we can give others through the sacrifice that we know already makes us perfect in his eyes. I found this quote pretty interesting from a, a, a pastor named Nelson Dominguez. Uh, if you've ever looked up anything on Got Questions, that ministry, some good answers in there every, every, uh, that I've read, and this is one of them. Here's what he wrote about cancel culture. Cancel culture views people with whom a plurality of people disagree as unredeemable and worthy of spite. Christian culture sees no one as unredeemable. 
Repentance and change are always possible, and forgiveness is available. Christian culture sees no one as an object of spite. God's love is always available. There are no lost causes. That's what Jesus accomplished by canceling our sins on the cross. That proves God's desire that all people be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. What a message for us to hold on to for ourselves, but then to be able to share with others in the world in which we live. Just two takeaways tonight from our message. Number one, an honest look at our own lives reveals the amazing blessing that God has not canceled us. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And number two, God has canceled what stood against us. Our sins have been forgiven at the cross of Jesus. You might know how Romans 3 goes on. After Paul clearly states that we're all in the same boat, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, he says this, and are justified freely, declared not guilty by God's grace through the redemption, the purchase, the payment that was made through Jesus Christ our Lord. Maybe you've seen this little math equation. I've seen it on bumper stickers. I've seen it different places. Kind of a neat way just to, to bring it into a real quick description of what Jesus has done for us. The one cross on which Jesus was willing to die. The three nails, two in his hands and one through his feet. And you add those up and that's what it adds up to. Forgiven. Jesus paid the entire price. The debt that stood between us and God is canceled completely. And you know that because of what Christ has done, you not only have peace and comfort and joy for this life, you have a life forever with the one who is willing to die for you in heaven. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you in thanksgiving once again today and marvel at your great love for us, that you were willing to be canceled to take all of the debt of our sins on you and then pay the price for those sins is truly an earth-shattering idea. Thank you for bringing us the faith to believe it as well. Bring us comfort and peace in the life that you give us in this, in this world, knowing that, that we have an eternity with you because you have canceled all of our sins. Let that be a message that, that rings throughout this world too, Lord, that people recognize that we don't have to live up to a standard that's impossible to live up to and yet only look to Jesus, only look to the one who already lived that perfection in our place. Continue to watch over our students and bless them in all their endeavors. Give them the peace of mind of knowing that, that you are with them always, that, that your strength and your comfort goes with them. And guide us all, Lord, to the joy of heaven with you forever. We pray all of these things in our Savior Jesus' name. Amen.